0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time to set the table for all your Sunday action, laying out all the best bets. It's the Sunday spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on the BetQL network
1: into week Seven we go. Alex Gold with you. I got KJ Carson in for Grant Paulson today. It is pretty wild already. We got this massive week of buys KJ2 going on. So it's made things a little more interesting, whether you're on the the gambling front or obviously for those playing a lot of fantasy football. But it's good to have you there. You got the you got the Bruins hoodie on. It is hockey season as well. But we're we're talking football today. That's for sure.
2: Oh, I'm a Boston guy all the way. Alex, how you doing, man? Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting this week. I feel like we've probably had these rumors, these reports uh, crop up when it comes to Deshaun Watson, what, five or six different times over the last six months. This week feels a little bit different to me when it comes to the rumors and reports, and one, because it comes from the Houston Chronicle and a well-respected journalist down there, and and John McClain, the the general. Um, But (laughs) two weeks away from the trade deadline, this feels like maybe there's some more movement, but I just can't get over the fact still that if you're the Dolphins and the rumors again, of course, are Deshaun Watson to Miami, how do you pull a trade unless you're given assurances from the NFL if you're the Dolphins that they're not going to put Deshaun Watson on the commissioner's list? Not to mention the, the 22 you know, sexual assault allegations and civil lawsuits that are out there, KJ. I just don't know how you pull the trigger on it.
2: Well, I, I don't know how you do it at this point either if you don't plan to play him this year. So if, if you're, if you're going to have a guy on your team, I mean, it, it would be tough for Tua to know that, okay, they just brought this guy in. Or if Tua stays, you would either have to be Miami saying, okay, we're just letting the season go, and we're going to wait for Deshaun Watson next year. Uh, because this isn't like Madden where you just plug a quarterback in and just start playing. Right. There's systems yeah. to learn. There's personnel and packages and so forth. And so I, I just – if I was Tua, I would throw for 500 this week, right? So uh, just to make it a little harder – But I I just don't see how Deshaun Watson gets moved and used this year. Now moved and possibly for someone's future where they say, hey, if he's going to be on the shelf for the remainder of the year and we're a team that's not doing so well, then it would make sense where he goes to. But Miami, it just doesn't make sense at this point.
1: Yeah, the the Dolphins right now, I think we we obviously are seeing a team that's underachieved. This was a 10-win team a year ago. And you got Brian Flores who – Everybody was talking up and seemed like, man, he was the right guy going forward. And now there's a lot of questions about his future, the general manager's future. Their owner, Steven Ross, is getting a little bit older. And so with that comes a little bit more desperation. Is he willing to you know, maybe sacrifice uh, some of the, frankly, you know, moral obligations, if you will? Uh, but it's a business. It's about winning games. We all know that. The NFL has allowed plenty of guys to, to continue playing that have had actual charges against them, which to this point, Deshaun Watson doesn't. It uh, doesn't mean it can't happen going forward. But the the only thing I can get uh, forward with on on the the Sean Watson route for the Dolphins would be if you're looking at this offseason, KJ, and you say, all right, we know that other teams, if the legal stuff does get cleared up, man, all of a sudden there's there's five, six other teams easily, along with Aaron Rodgers out there, along with Russell Wilson. Then it gets a lot more complicated this offseason. So are they trying to get out ahead of it for a coaching staff that that may or may not even be there next season?
2: Well, think how tough it must be for the veterans that have come. I've always said in the NFL, the veterans that have come to Miami, right, that here I am, I'm going to sign with a team that was missed the playoffs by literally mathematical equation last year. So the team has, you're thinking, hey, I'm going to go to a team that has a playoff chance, and that's what you play to win the game. And so if you're a veteran on this team, how do you square up saying, okay, we're going to scrap heap everything pretty much before the halfway mark of the season? And then we're going to go with a guy who we don't even know what the league says can or cannot do, at least for this year. I think we can honestly probably say that whatever comes down from the commissioner on Deshaun Watson is going to have him out for the rest of the year. And so if you're a team like Miami, you say, okay, how do I score up with the players, Um, with management, as you mentioned, even with ownership saying, okay, we're playing not to win but we're going to tank everything to reset with this one guy with about nine games left. I, I, it just very squares. It's like a square peg into a round hole situation. If you're Miami, even though as badly and underperforming as you are this year, the season's not over. Crazier things have happened. And at least with Tua, you see some growth. um, But at the same time, the patience level, as you mentioned, is going to be the key.
1: And the other factor, Tua, of course, he's in the middle of all this. As you pointed out, if you're Tua, you want to go out there and perform, and we'll talk about that Atlanta and Miami game here in just a second during around the league. But I, I don't get why the rumors have Washington potentially interested in, in Tua. That makes no sense for Washington, in my opinion. You You already have, now he's hurt, Ryan Fitzpatrick who outperformed Tua
2: last year, kind of bailed Tua out in a lot of games. It was relief pitcher. To... It was the first time you yeah. ever saw a relief <laughs> pitcher in the NFL. You're like, wait a minute, this, is this Eckersley coming in for the close the game? You know, is a closer in the NFL? Yeah, I don't, like. yeah. I, I don't see how Tua is movable to a situation that's trying to grow. I, I think you, you, when you're honest with the NFL and you hate it for Tua if he's in this, you know, kind of game manager, help put faces on, you know, little placards at the stadium but in terms of winning games for a franchise, that's not what he's really there to do um, it, with Washington. They've got so many changes that they have to make um, or they may be making from top to bottom. I would say it, it, minus Ron Rivera and they, I mean, the team may not have a name for another year. So I, I think Washington is one of those places where it's kind of like, you know, we're just kind of sit on the tarmac, but they're just one of those sit on the tarmac franchises right now until bigger things are addressed. And, and moving to or there, uh, it, it it doesn't make it a whole lot of sense. I, I mean, do you get more production than what you're getting from you know uh, Taylor Heineke? So. No, right. I mean, so younger. that's about it. He's right. younger <laughs> than
1: Ryan Fitzpatrick and Taylor Heineke. Well, who is, is it? Right? Well, only <laughs> yeah, Tom yeah, Brady exactly. is older than Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? Right. You are not. You are not wrong about that. <laughs> we will talk about that game as uh let let's kick off around the league. There are certainly six teams on buys this week so it changes up the slate a little bit probably a little weaker slate than we've seen over the last couple weeks as we enter week seven of the NFL season we start with those Carolina Panthers minus three at the New York Giants the total set at 43 three straight losses for the Panthers after that what seemed like a big primetime win on Thursday night football and Christian McCaffrey still out he's back on the IR Sam Darnold Looking like the old Sam Darnold, the New York Jets Sam Darnold a little bit. But I don't even think, KJ, it's entirely him. I mean, this is a team that had drop after drop last week. Robbie Anderson was targeted three times, uh, or excuse me, uh, 11 times and had three receptions in that. I actually like the under in this game. That's kind of where my my eyes gravitate a little bit. If I, if I were to make a pick, I'd lean in that direction. It's not one of my plays this week. But I like the under 43 if I'm going to touch it as all. Uh, at all. The under is four and zero in Panthers games, the last four. As a so
2: I'm going to shock you. I'm going to go with the giants in the over at three. And because if Sam Darnold was seeing ghosts as the jets, he's going to hear them coming back to, <laughs> to, to New York or, or, the, or to the Meadowlands area, because they're going to boo. That's what ghosts say, boo. And I, I think what you've seen out of Sam Darnold uh, was, now the old Sam Darnold's like those four quadrant memes where it's kind of like, Hey, Joe Montana, then it starts to fade. It looks a little like Ryan leaf and it comes back to Sam Darnold. And so I, I also think that this may be a tryouts week for the giants. Like who do you want off of our squad? <laughs> and so I, I think this is one of those games where the giants realize that, Hey, Everything's up against the wall. Daniel Jones is up against the wall. Joe Judge is up against the wall. M- multiple players are up against the wall. And if Sam Darnold comes into town, it's almost like, hey, Bruce Springsteen's doing a free concert at the, <laughs> at the stadium. Let's go. This is good. <laughs> They're pumped up. So, I, 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 it, like yourself, I'm not going to touch this game with my own money, but I'm going to take the Giants in the over at plus three just because there's a hint of desperation throughout that franchise.
1: Next up uh, around the league, we mentioned those Miami Dolphins, KJ. Atlanta minus two and a half on the road, taking on the Dolphins. The total set at 47. We talked a lot about Tua there. And this is just his second game really back. All this noise about Deshaun Watson. And it's a Dolphins team that's 29th in the league and both scoring offense and defense. There's nothing really going for that franchise currently. On the other side, you've got the Atlanta Falcons, where Kyle Pitts is starting to actually become more of a favorite target for Matt Ryan, starting to become the the tight end that everybody was excited about. We're seeing some flashes, and they get Calvin Ridley back after missing the team's last game before that bye week. It's a huge weapon for them, and there's still some injury questions for the Miami Dolphins with their wide receiver core, which definitely doesn't help Tua's case to have a monster game in this one. This is another one where it's not a play for me necessarily, but I do like Atlanta the two and a half here in this game. I don't trust the Dolphins whatsoever. I haven't seen anything offensively.
2: Yeah, unless Brian Flores is giving uh, Al Pacino any given Sunday speech, I think it's just another Sunday for the Dolphins and a a chance for Atlanta to really kind of stretch itself out where they've had injured players. As you mentioned, Kyle Pitts over in London just absolutely showed that the guy's a true stud in the making. And so, you know, I think if there's one thing that Matt Ryan wants to do is pass the ball. And if there's something else that the Dolphins like to do is give up the pass. So uh, you're, I'm with you. My money's not touching this game, not the spread or even the, the over under. But I am with you. I see Atlanta winning this game and just even more trouble in in Miami Paradise uh, going into next week's storyline.
1: You, you got the Boston hoodie on. I'll let you take this next one and start us off up there in Foxborough with the Jets coming to town.
2: So this is the one game that I haven't been a homer on. Is is I am taking my uh, I am taking New England uh, to win this game by the spread of seven. Uh, the Patriots haven't been good against the spread, but I think things kind of changed for their psyche in that Tampa game where they covered the spread and almost had a, a quite a bit of rich people of anybody who took the Patriots in those points in that Tampa game where they lost nineteen sixteen, and then of course last week uh, they covered. Uh, despite no I'm sorry they they didn't cover last week but I didn't expect them to but the Jets is a very good team to get healthy against Uh, Zach Wilson is just uh, really Sam Darnold Jr. at this point and so uh, the the Patriots have turned on the offensive spigot they're now uh, solving some of their end zone issues in the red zone Uh, you'll starting to see Hunter Henry target a lot more Uh, Kendrick Bourne is now in the mix and of course the whole route is when will Jacoby Myers get a touchdown so uh pats you know cover the spread and uh, i would even say take the over on the points because i think they will put points on the board this week
1: yeah the jets haven't won in foxborough in a decade and my only question with with belichick and mac jones here when are they going to take the training wheels off of mac jones a little bit i mean we saw that that cowboys game i still feel like if they're willing to to let him let's go out and see what this kid can do because i've i've been impressed at times but it is still such a conservative approach. And I don't know if that's just Belichick and what he's going to do all year long, but that's not in this game. It's not going to factor in. I'm with you. I like the Patriots, but overall, if they really think there's a chance they can take another step this year, not wait till next year. I feel like they got to take the training wheels off of Mac Jones a little bit. here. Well,
2: now Alex, remember the NFL is 10 speeds and mountain bikes, right? (laughs) And there are no training wheels on 10 speeds and mountain bikes. So if we're talking about taking the training wheels off, maybe Max bike isn't just big enough yet because there are things I see. He's better getting rid of the ball. Um, He's so that that is improving. But again, he's got to get to mountain bike and and BMX and and get off the BMX training wheel. So if if we're saying taking the training wheels off, then we're admitting that the bike is still just a little too small. This is a chance for the bike to get a little bit bigger.
1: Next up, how about the Las Vegas Raiders? They're minus three at home against the Philadelphia Eagles. The total set at 48 and a half. This is a Raiders team that impressed people a week ago after all the controversy, the loss of their head coach, John Gruden, and dealing with that in their locker room. They come out and they look great against the Denver Broncos. So we all just saw play on Thursday night against backups all over the place in Cleveland and probably sours people's feeling about the Raiders a little bit on that win. I'm not going to say a whole lot on this game because it's one of my pick six features when we get to that in a little bit. I have a play involving that I really like that I have placed already when it comes to the Las Vegas Raiders in this game. But I just look at Nick Sirianni uh, in, in this Philadelphia Eagles team. I don't trust him. He has no desire to run the football with Miles Sanders. Jalen Hurts has shown flashes but then You step back in, you see some inaccurate footballs thrown down the field. And so I struggle here trusting Nick Sirianni as the head coach. I know that sounds weird because we're talking about an interim head coach on the other side, but it's a much better roster there in Las Vegas.
2: Absolutely. And I think the Vegas team is is poised to play for their interim coach. I think with everything they've gone through and to actually have potential subjects of what their previous head coach had said on the team, this is a team that can allow themselves to unify, play for their fan base, uh, play for Vegas too as well, right? You know, I mean, went in Vegas, play for Vegas. And so I, I, I definitely see not only them covering, but also possibly hitting the over because Derek Carr can really get the ball downfield. So um, Vegas, where you could you can now see you their struggles were tied to the head coaching situation. And now they're kind of free from that and can just kind of let things go and, you know, and, and they're still in the AFC West race, which is absolutely amazing despite everything that's been going on with them this season.
1: And it's not November yet for the Raiders. Typically it's <laughs> November and December when Derek Carr has kind of dipped, you know, kind of the, the joke, but also the numbers back it up. And I know wins and losses aren't all on Derek Carr solely, but his record in cold weather months dips drastically. So I think the buy-in on for people about the Raiders is like, all right, Let's see what you can do once you get to November and December. But I do think this is a spot where the Raiders continue and and get their second win in a row as we go around the league. That's just a little look, KJ, at some of these games. We're feeling good in week seven. Coming up next, though, it's our pick six, our favorite plays of the weekend, those Sunday studs. It's the Sunday spread here on BetQL.
2: what would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
0: Welcome back to the Sunday spread with Grant Paulson and Alex gold on bed. QL.
1: We continue here in week seven. I've got KJ Carson hanging out with me. We're laying it all out here as we already approach the week with all these buys. We've got our Sunday studs coming up here. In just a little bit. Our favorite prop plays of the week. And, There's some spotlight games. That's coming up in the next segment. We didn't get to some of those during Around the League. That's because we want to spend a little bit more time on those, including a return, really, and a reunion to some extent, of course, for Matthew Stafford as the Rams taking on those Detroit Lions. Man, there are plenty of storylines. I cannot wait to get to those in the next segment. But it is that time, KJ, where we get to our favorite plays. It's time for the Pick 6.
0: The Pick (sighs) 6.
1: I'll let you do the honors, man. I'll I'll let you get us started here.
2: Well, I'm a homer, Boston homer. Obviously, I'm taking New England at minus seven. Uh, When the Jets come to town, it makes everybody else look good. And with the team that's getting better with Mac Jones, his precision is very, very on point. Uh, With the use of Hunter Henry, now Kendrick Bourne is in the mix. Jacoby Myers has always been in the mix. And the next question is, yeah, who do the Jets miss tackle? so for for new england to cover the seven point spread i think is an easy layup if you want to feel good uh, i do like to take chances but this is like the layup take new england at seven under
1: i, I like it as well i also have new england and survivor this week as well and I, for those of you that play survivor you know a lot of people are looking at arizona but i actually like new england i feel like i can steal one if you look at the, the oh, yeah. schedule i feel like this is one to be able to do that and then you know, you've got Damian Harris, the running back, who's looked really impressive for New England. So I, I like that play as well. I'm, I'm going to go over to the AFC North. It's a divisional game here, and it's the Cincinnati Bengals going on the road to take on the Baltimore Ravens, who have been one of the, the better surprises in the league so far because of, of all those injuries. Yet they're sitting at 5-1 and one atop the AFC. Cincinnati plus 6.5 against Baltimore. My, my issue with Baltimore, and, and I think it's been a hell of a job coaching by Harbaugh, but they won on a record-setting field goal to beat the Lions. They had a 22-9 comeback in the fourth quarter over Indy and then a fumble on the last drive of a game against Kansas City. So they they have been very, very close. And then last week, they go and, and beat up on the L.A. Chargers. So you're like, all right, is, is this a turning point where now they're they're going to just be a little more dominant than we've seen? And, and so I, I think 6.5 in a divisional game is too many points here. Since these defenses legit, I mean, if you look at how many points they have given up, no more than 25 points this season and that 25 was Taron Rodgers in an overtime game and that crazy game with what five missed field goals so I think if you're looking at Cincinnati Joe Burrow's playing well enough Jamar Chase is the real deal all those stories about him dropping passes in preseason nobody's worried about that anymore he's he's one of only four wide receivers that have more yards only four wide receivers have more yards than him and we're talking about Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup and Tyree kill so I like Cincinnati plus six and a half and and a close one against the Ravens
2: I think it's going to go a little further for the Ravens and here's why I say uh, if you look at the passing yards for um, Lamar Jackson they have been at least over 235 virtually in every game minus the loss I believe so you now literally have a guy who could pass and has running backs who are who who are legit running backs in the league. And I think if Baltimore gets up 14-3, 21-7, it's gonna be very hard for Joe Burrow to throw the ball everywhere and be successful. So that's why I think six and a half, uh I mean you're taking a risk, but hey, that's your money. I, I think it's going to be a little more spread out than six and a half. I probably see this game being like 31 31-21, probably somewhere in there where um, it, it, the war of attrition of constantly running the ball and if Baltimore has the lead, I, even, despite the great weapon in, in Jamar Chase and uh, even the tight end, uh, I think it might just be a little much too little too late for Cincinnati to potentially catch up. And that stadium in Baltimore is something truly different. It's it's really up there in one of those places where it's like, oh my God, how do we get out of this place alive? So I, I would take. I would definitely take the Ravens at, at, at minus six and a half.
1: Divisional game. there certainly a big one in the AFC North. What's crazy? If, if the Bengals find a way somehow to win outright, suddenly they're the top team in the AFC record. Right.
2: As, yeah. But so all those things have to really happen. Yeah,
1: no question. All right. Next pick that I like here on pick six. Uh, we mentioned that Vegas Raiders game. In the Philadelphia Eagles, I didn't say too much on it because it's a play I really like. Las Vegas minus three against Philadelphia. This got up. Uh, If it gets up to three and a half, I get a little more worried. But overall, I I really like this play here. Las Vegas leads the NFL uh, in big plays, 32 passing plays of 20 or more yards. And if you're looking at the Eagles, I don't I I mentioned this. I don't trust Nick Sirianni. He has no interest in running the ball with Miles Sanders. I know he's not. Uh, someone that brought in Miles Sanders. It's not his guy, so he can do whatever the heck he wants. He's not tied to him. Clearly, he doesn't feel that way. And 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 Jalen Hurts has shown flashes, but I, I just think this is a game where the roster for Las Vegas, certainly with Darren Waller, who I think gets going again after his big week one against Baltimore, who we were just talking about, right. he really hasn't done a whole lot since. He had 19 yeah. targets week one, and he's cooled off. I, I love the Raiders, one of my favorite plays of the week against the Philadelphia Eagles here.
2: Yeah, I'm with you on the Eagles in terms of even Jalen Hurts. You're not looking at a guy who's going to throw for three, 350 in a game, which is going to give you a real shot to kind of compete with a Derek Carr who can throw for three, 350 in a game and doesn't necessarily have to. So you're absolutely right. When, if you're not running the ball and you're on the road, you're just asking for more trouble. And that's what Philly's going to get. So I, I agree with you. If the points start going up in Vegas, and it gets to three and a half or even four. I would be a bit concerned because Vegas isn't that dominating on both sides of the ball that you would say, Hey, you know, we can just go to Darren Waller every play because that's a pass play and the Raiders will make mistakes in games, but I think they will, they will do well enough to win the game by at least three. Uh, once you start getting into the sevens, there's, I, I say no chance. Sure. So, i am with you yeah. with Vegas at three.
1: All right, what's your next pick here as we continue the pick six on the Sunday spread?
2: Now, I only put this one out there because, dadgummit, this is the NFL. And that's Houston plus 18 and a half. Oh, he's Come doing on. It. He's
1: doing it. I am he's-
2: doing it. And here's why. If you look at when Houston lost to Buffalo 40 nothing, the next week they put up 22 points. Then the next week, they had the dud last week against Indy. And I think that was one of those kind of, hey, we're on the road. the Deshaun Watson stuff is still popping up. But now, follow this logic. Even though, and we'll talk about it, it's a homecoming game for J.J. Watt and, uh, and DeAndre Hopkins as well, um, that they also have a Thursday night game against Green Bay. And so at some point where I, do I see Houston losing by 14? Absolutely. Do I see him lose it by 17? Absolutely. I took the line at 17 and a half because I said, you know what? Once you get to two touchdowns and a field goal, you start pulling people out. You have a short week, and your short week is a national game against the Packers. That's a conference game. The Packers are on the roll. I know we're not talking about that, but I'm talking about Arizona psyche. So it would be easy for Houston to lose the game, say, 31-14. And still get blown out, and you cover the eighteen and a half.
1: I, I, I mean, you're right. There's a certain point where the number gets to be high enough. Come on, uh, it's an NFL
2: uh, facility, for God's <laughs> sake! You know? <laughs> yeah. Look, I mean,
1: D- D- I think, I think Davis Mills, as bad as he's looked, you know, I go back to the New England game where everybody thought Bill Belichick was going to shut him down, and then he ends up with 200 plus yard passing in the first half, and obviously had the Patriots on the ropes. Yes, this is an Arizona Cardinals team that's undefeated, but I think they can do enough to where they'll be hanging around, and when I say hanging around, it'll be the fourth quarter, and they might be down... 17 points and all it takes is just a field goal or a touchdown late or something like that. I mean, I can see it being that. I am excited to see what Zach Ertz can do in his first game with the Cardinals. And now that Cliff Kingsbury is back in charge after missing last week due to COVID and everything. But yeah, the line gets to be at a point where you got to take a flyer on it. I, I understand where you're at there. This next one, I believe you and I are on opposite sides, head-to-head. This is a one of our spotlight games. I know we'll talk more in depth in a little bit, but from a betting perspective, Kansas City, minus 4.5 at Tennessee. It's well documented. This is a team over the last year and a half that has not covered all that much, although they have their last two games. And Kansas City is dead last in turnovers offensively at 14. And yet, KJ, they're still scoring touchdowns on 40% of their drives. Nobody's close to that. After that, it's like 34%. And they're averaging more points per drive than any team in football. 31 points per game. To me, when the turnovers correct themselves, this is not a team that's gonna have 37 turnovers this season. I refuse to believe that. Then they're gonna start scoring 38 plus. I expect this to be a game where the Chiefs score well over 38 points. The Titans secondary is awful. I know there's that running back that we all love and Derek Henry. He can go for a buck forty. And if the Chiefs cut back on the turnovers, I don't think it's enough. Tennessee trails in this game. It's a big-time problem. If they get down early, Ryan Tannehill has to throw it 40 times. I love my chances there if
2: that happens. Well, what if the Chiefs make a mistake early like they did? What if it looks like that Washington game again from last week? But instead of Washington having nobody, oh, there's Derrick Henry over there just running over people like Mack Trucks. So you're right, we're on the opposite sides of the spectrum on this because I am taking Tennessee and the four-and-a-half because Chiefs' mistakes usually have not bitten them because they played inferior teams. Again, this Tennessee team also has Julio Jones now. So if there's one team I would not want to see in the play action, it is the Tennessee Titans. So when you talk about the Titans not covering the spread, over the last year-and-a-half – yeah, Julio Jones wasn't there over the last year and a half, and so while we're not talking about the Julio Jones of say the Super Bowl, so he's against he's not going to
1: the- play though. Julio's not playing in this game. He's out.
2: Oh. oh God. I
1: mean, he's out. I mean, you got AJ. You got AJ Brown playing still. I got you there. But okay,
2: I mean, okay. But I don't think it really changes that much because the the, the Chiefs' secondary is abominable, and it is. And, it is. And, and we're talking about the safeties primarily, and the safeties are the ones that have to assist in the run. So if you're a safety who can't cover the pass, and you're horrible against the run, and the run is Derrick Henry, the Chiefs are going to try and close it, but I don't think they'll cover the spread. I, I honestly believe that Tennessee will win this game. So there's your four and a half for the Chiefs. That doesn't even matter. And it's really the primary reason why I'm taking Tennessee plus the four and a half, because I actually believe that Tennessee will win this game.
1: It feels like a shootout. I think we both probably agree in that regard based off of, of these two teams. Why? I think you got to look at the total a little bit too here if you're considering another play on the game itself. The total, it's 57.5. It's the highest of the week. I know it gets people nervous, but this is, again, even if you, you factor in, and even let's say you're right in that the turnovers happen early for Kansas City, even in those four turnover games, they're, they're still scoring on average 31 points per game. That's Kansas City. And then if Derrick Henry and that Titans offense is going to do what you're talking about doing, I mean, we're, we're we're in that territory. I don't think this is a 24-20 game.
2: I think it's a 27-21 game, Ooh, perhaps. Okay. So that's, Okay, all right. Right, so I could see where, you know, war of attrition, where the game gets down to the end, and let's say it's 21-20 late into the game where the Chiefs are leading, and then you don't have to go away from Derrick Henry to get into the end zone. It could be from one yard out. So I, I believe it's, it's going to be in – the scores are going to be in the 20s for sure. But I don't think the the total is going to get into the 50s.
1: We'll talk more about this game when we get to the spotlight games. But it's time for our favorite prop bets of the week, our Sunday studs.
0: The Sunday Spread presents the Sunday Studs.
1: All right, KJ, I love prop bets. I love them. Prop bets are are one of my favorite things to do in an NFL slate. And I go back to that Tennessee game. We were just talking about Derrick Henry and much like your discussion about the Texans being 18 and a half point dogs and the number being so high that's almost strictly where i'm headed here with Derrick Henry the the number for his rushing yards and it's bounced around in different places but FanDuel had it at 128 and a half i think it'll get bet down under 128 and a half rushing yards for Derrick Henry i he he's a freak he's ridiculous he's going to break records he is averaging 143 yards per game on 82 carries in the last three with seven touchdowns. Uh, and he only gets stronger as the game goes on. This is a gut play as much as anything. Uh, not to mention the last time these two teams played, Kansas City did hold him to under 70 yards. Don't think it's going to be anywhere near that. But I got to take the under. I mean, any one player, we're accounting we're one player going in for 128 yards. I can't do it. I got to take the under.
2: Yeah, Alex, I'm with you. I I, I mean, that's a very bold prediction. Like, it's, like you say, it's a slap in the face to any player. Any guy that's got a double digit that that's a tackling number, you can't sit there and say, "Hey, this guy's going to come in and put 130, 140 on us." I, I But but oh, the a crazy disres- thing is, disrespect. It's a disrespect. disrespect. I, I, it may be in the one tens, one twelve is a possibility. And again, what we talked about earlier, depending on where the Chiefs turnovers are, if they're short field, then it's not going to require Derrick Henry to rush for you know one hundred forty yards to be effective. It could still be one ten and have three touchdowns. So. I'm with you, man. A 128 over is just, hey, pressure of luck. You know, no whammies, no whammies, no whammies. You know, (laughs) go ahead
1: if you want. All right, where are you going with yours?
2: Mine is, probably the one I have is Lamar Jackson. Over 234 and a half yards against the Bengals. Um, Only one game has he thrown less than 234 yards. So I think we're seeing the Lamar Jackson who effectively can throw the ball beyond the tight ends. So this is where... If you're looking at a classic, what does Lamar Jackson do? He's dink and dunk, tight ends and runs. But now with Hollywood Brown, really being able to capture the ball in the air, as they call it on Madden, rack. um, I I could see Lamar Jackson getting over 234 and a half in passing this week against the Bengals.
1: Those are our Sunday studs here in Week 7. How about those spotlight games? We mentioned Kansas City and Tennessee. We're going to take a deeper look at that. Cincinnati and Baltimore and a reunion for Matthew Stafford going up against his old Detroit Lions. This is the Sunday spread on BetQL.
0: Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on BetQL.
1: That's right, it is the uh, Sunday Spread. I got KJ Carson with me today. We're talking some Week 7 NFL football. We've given you some of our favorite plays, our Sunday studs each for the week. And we still got that Hail Mary And uh, we'll see if KJ can bring me some more luck on that. As uh, Grant's hit on the Hail Mary, I have still yet to hit on the long shot bet. But I actually, I I love the one I got in store today. I feel really good. It's plus 1,300. We'll get to that in just a little bit. But how about these spotlight games? Yes, there's some teams on bye weeks. but. Detroit and LA, those Rams. And I know typically you say, "All right, Detroit's involved." How is it that how much of a spotlight game, KJ? But uh, Detroit is 60 and a half point underdogs. But it's about Matthew Stafford. It's about Jared Goff. It's about Sean McVay and, and all the storylines that exist with that. And I and I look at Jared Goff. This is to me not a revenge game for Matthew Stafford. He's in LA. He's got the new stadium. He's got the smart head coach. He's got a team that can go to the Super Bowl. It's a revenge game for Jared Goff. The guy got shipped out out to Detroit, he's stuck in Detroit playing with Dan Campbell with no weapons whatsoever.
2: Yeah, I don't know how much revenge Jared Goff could get. It would be like Uma Thurman running around with no weapon in Pulp Fiction. You know, like you could be mad at David Carradine all you want. You're still horrible without a weapon. And so that's Jared Goff. But I think for Matthew Stafford, it is kind of a revenge game for him. It's like, okay, I was married to you, Detroit. I gave you my bones, my tendons, my sweat, my tears. Check out my beautiful girlfriend in the drop top I've got called called the Rams. Aren't they beautiful? Oh, front and back. Look at them. I'm just going to show you how fast my car goes, how good my girl looks. The guy's going to feel like Ric Flair and just, just, (laughs) woo! Just let a woo right off in the the lion's face because he's got all that pent up aggression of all those years of losing and infertility of the lions and doing it on Thanksgiving Day in front of America. All those people in front of the TV eating their food for all those years. Matthew Stafford had to bear those tears. He is going to be Uma Thurman himself (laughs) taking out Vivica Fox in her own home.
1: I love it. I I love it. And I think the thing with Matthew Stafford, though, KJ, is he was the one that was loyal to Detroit, though. It's not like he, I mean, you know, part of it, is he to blame a little bit here? I think so to a certain extent, like the Lions organization has plenty of issues. But this is still Matthew Stafford, who to a fault was probably too loyal to to the Lions organization. He still loves Detroit and everything and good for him. I appreciate the loyalty. But as we know, like your, your your legacy, his chances of maybe being a Hall of Famer, the fact that he spent so much time in Detroit with the lack of, of wins and success overall, whether it's his fault or not, is gonna right. hurt his legacy unless you tell me that he's gonna go win a Super Bowl this year with the LA Rams and right now he is at MVP contention as well. But I, I think for for the Lions here in this game, if we just looking at it from a gambling perspective, this is another one where much like your Texans pick, you know like I, I think there is still a chance that despite the weapons that Jared Goff have, which is uh, nothing, in this game, I still think the Lions have a chance at, at 16 and a half. I'd love to see if this somehow gets up to 17, though. Uh, but at plus 17, I'd be interested in this. Game Don't close your eyes because it just might.
2: <laughs> plus 17. I, 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 I seriously believe this is one of those games where because of Matthew Stafford's loyalty, this is a chance to really kind of, like I said, bring the blade out. It would be different if this game was in Detroit, right? That you'd want to have a level of respect and kind of what Tom Brady went through when he came back to new England that, you know, if it hadn't rained, would he have scored like 50 points? But I think there's a part in the player that's saying, you know what? I respect the organization. These are the people who said yes to me at the very beginning, but if you're coming on my turf, baby, you know, like check out the, the hot thing about girlfriend Campbell, and the though. new car. Yeah. He's going to the slice one thing about them Dan up.
1: Campbell, yeah. I mean, Oh, they are. I mean, they're going, they're going to beat up the lions. I don't, I don't, Think that's that's a question. I'm with you. I just think that Dan Campbell. Say what we will about him. The one thing his team hasn't done yet is quit on him. And they, they they really are playing extremely tough. And you can say it's the NFL. That doesn't equate to wins. No, it doesn't equate to wins. But it equates to covers sometimes, right? I mean, if your team's playing till the end, if they're not giving up, so that would be my only thought. I'm not. I'm not. It's not a play. I, it's not my pick six or anything. But it's something from a gambling angle. I, I take a look at the other spotlight game. We we've dove in a little bit already on is Kansas City and Tennessee, you and I on different sides we know from the gambling angle here. I just want to talk more about what this means for the AFC because Tennessee, we all know they, they beat on, uh, up on the Buffalo Bills and got that win on a great goal line stand on Monday night. Kansas City, though, right now, they have no chance at winning any tiebreaker if they lose to Tennessee because they'd have losses against Buffalo and Tennessee and Baltimore and the Chargers. I mean, so this is a game where I do think the national perception, people would jump back on Kansas City a little bit if they beat Tennessee, because KC would be above 500. They got the Giants next week. All of a sudden, they're 5-3. and three. And if they win against Tennessee, I think some of the, the things we saw in the second half uh, defensively and lack of turnovers will, will, would have likely carried over if we're having that conversation. So I think it's interesting uh, who wins this game for Tennessee, too. I mean, KJ, if they win, all of a sudden it's back-to-back wins against Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Got to start showing more respect to Tennessee.
2: Well, first with the Chiefs, I think they're taking a little bit from Tampa's playbook last year where, do you believe your team is good enough to just get to the playoffs? And the way the AFC is shaking down, it looks like, for sure, the wild card's coming out of the AFC West, barring no changes. So if you're Kansas City, you say, okay, there's some things we probably have to do to adjust with the roster. Everything is not this week, but everything is getting into the playoffs. And if you say, who is the best team to go on the road and get to the Super Bowl. And and you would say the Chiefs because their offense travels. But I think this is one of those weeks where Tennessee says, this is our chance to cement the division completely outright. This is, they win this week. I don't see anybody catching. I don't see any chance for Indy to catch them at all. So I'm sure Mike Vrabel is letting these guys know a victory this week allows this team to get healthy, allows us to really develop more what we want to do, and start really analyzing who we may be looking at come the playoffs, where the Chiefs have a team that's so talented that if they're a wild card team, you know, showing up to the lowest seeded, you know, I don't, I mean, probably. Yeah, that, that's st- your reward. You won your division. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah congratulations. The Chiefs are coming to the, for the first weekend of the playoffs. So I'm not pushing the panic button on the Chiefs because I think they learned from Tampa last year that you could be everything in the regular season and be really embarrassed in the last game. So I think this, is, this isn't this is an emergency for the Chiefs as much as it is where it could be a, a stamp of seal, like that USDA stamp on the beef for Tennessee in their division.
1: Yeah, I love your point on Tampa because we all know it was actually, ironically enough, the, the Chiefs-Tampa game last year where suddenly in the second half against the Chiefs, the Bucs figured it out. And as we know, they went on and won everything the rest of the way and went on to beat the
2: Chiefs. This and they were and, and they were a wild card team as well last year, right? Yeah,
1: 100%. All right, how about Cincinnati and Baltimore? Uh, this is a game you know I like. Cincinnati plus six and a half on the road uh, against the, the the Ravens a little bit there, KJ. I, I think for for this, if we go big picture and look at the Ravens, I mean they got a chance. To distance themselves from the rest of that division. I know Cleveland found a way to get a win on Thursday with the backups at uh, quarterback and running back and left tackle and on and on and on. But the Ravens get to 6-1 and one if, if they win this against Cincinnati. Uh, it starts to start looking pretty good for them in terms of, of that division all of a sudden. And, and a team that I think puts Harbaugh in the coach of the year conversation.
2: Oh, definitely. I think if there were two things that really moved this Raven story forward, one was that week one loss and the injuries that that were going on with the running situation because now you're like, is Lamar Jackson going to now depend on himself to run the ball when the running backs (laughs) – probably don't even know the first five screens of the playbook yet and it forced him to balance everything and then the second one was in that indie game where the 100 rushing yards for the team streak was over what it did was say we can win a game and not have to rush for 100 yards between eight guys to win games and so when i see the ball coming out of lamar jackson's hands he is definitely looking more like a michael vick type quarterback in terms of the accuracy uh, even though we're not talking about the greatest of accuracy, we're talking about a guy yeah, who,
0: yeah.
2: right. We're talking about now a guy who could deliver a hot ball in, in a, in a, in a, a good confined space. You now have receivers who are beyond the middle of the field who can catch those balls. And now you have a Baltimore team where the first thing you have to game plan is for Lamar to take off. And Lamar not been taking off and they're winning. And so I'm always a fan of the team that has the adversity early can see the success later than the team that has the success at the beginning, and you're still trying to figure out how they handle this adversity. So that's why I really like Baltimore to continue on this role. The game is at home. That stadium is absolute ruckus. You can hear it from the interstate uh, going through Baltimore. So that's a team that you – you I, at, when the season started. I said they may have some struggles. Now I say this is the team that could punch anybody in the mouth, and I think Cincinnati is just going to be the next one.
1: Yeah, Jamar Chase going to need a big game against those Baltimore Ravens. Those are our spotlight games here in Week 7. Again, it's a Sunday spread every Saturday night, of course, here on BetQL. K.J. Carson in for Grant Paulson. Let's get to those Hail Marys, though, before we leave you.
0: It's now time for the Hail Mary.
1: All right, it's going to all come together. I'm chucking this one deep. We're looking at wide receivers, K.J., Listen to this one. Okay. Plus 1,300. Tyreek Hill. Okay. Calvin Ridley. Okay. AJ Brown over 100 yards receiving. That Titans secondary is atrocious. I love Tyreek Hill here. This is a Titans team that's fared well against tight ends, and if they want to shut down Travis Kelsey, you're not shutting down Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. I love Tyreek Hill, who's dealing with a quad injury. He was uh, limited in practice uh, Friday He's questionable for the game. He's going to play though on, on Sunday against the Tennessee Titans and You look at Calvin Ridley, bye week, a week ago, personal reasons in London. Uh, There's not enough weapons there uh, for him not to, me, get a lot of targets against a bad Miami Dolphins defense, 29th in the NFL. Uh, The the only one that's iffy is A.J. Brown.
0: (laughs) there's the rub. (laughs) He's
1: he's got some food poisoning. We know, that's been going on all week. I mean, my goodness, he's been destroyed by that the last five or six days. Yeah, how do
2: you get uh, food poisoned at home? I'm just trying to figure that out. You know, like, aren't you
1: eating at home? Oh, wow. i won't mention the the restaurant even though it's a place that i go probably four times a week but all right what's your hail mary
2: my hail mary run quick see is matt stafford five touchdowns (laughs) follow the logic last week when he got pulled from the game the back of wofford threw an interception that's not what a coach wants to see so 35 points is a real realistic situation and I see Matthew Stafford throwing five touchdowns at plus nine hundred. So not as bold, but as the plus thirteen hundred. But at plus nine hundred for Matt Stafford to throw five touchdowns, and he almost did it last week. And Cooper Cup is a machine, and 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 uh, you just got those weapons going uh, with uh, the other Roberts number two. They all change numbers. You might even see a Deshaun uh, Deshaun Jackson deep bomb throw as well. So. Matt Stafford is going to – he's going to show up like Tupac in Mexico. Five <laughs> touchdowns plus 900. Hell, Mary.
1: There it is. He's KJ Carson. I'm Alex Gould. Thanks for hanging out with us here on the Sunday spread on BetQL.